You gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next when they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy Ice Cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. What's up, y'all? This is Emilio, the poet. Yo, what's good? This is Manny Digital. Welcome to another quarantine episode of the Dribble and Dines podcast. <laughs> all right, y'all. Our guest, he's a Harlem dude, but he's lived all over the city and actually all over the world. He's played professionally for over a decade. He's now retired. He's doing some things in the New York City area uh, from an education standpoint. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, he started out playing at Millbank in Harlem, as as many of the Harlemites do. Uh, he's a former NBA player, and like I mentioned, played professionally overseas as well. Let's give it up for our man, Shawnell Scott. Shawnell. Let me just—I want to say this real quick. Some of y'all may not be seeing this, but. He's, he's retired, but he damn sure don't look retired at all. Yeah, that's a fact. The man look brand new. That's a fact. Uh, we, we were talking um, off air, and uh, so I, I had started chatting with um, Shawnell, and I mentioned, yo, when you Google Shawnell Scott, um, there's a picture. I think that's probably the first picture that shows up, and he's got, like, you know, a little mustache going on. And that picture, I, I compared it to what I'm looking at right now, and, yo, he looked... He looks younger now. He's Benjamin Button is basically what we're talking about right now. Like, and, and then my brother jumps on and he's like, yo, what lotion you use? <laughs> oh, we might have to get that name, bro. So, yeah. So we might have to promote that lotion just because it's going to help everybody. I don't care about the, I don't care about the payment. Right. Uh, but you, you definitely doing something to hack uh, life right now. You so, cheat me. You teenage, bro. No, yeah, man. Nah, man. Yo, first of all, man. Yo, thank you for the kind words, man. I'm just, uh, I, 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 I'm just maintaining. I, I don't, I, you, you know, I like my different types of lotion, but it's, I don't think it's anything special. But uh, just the kind words, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, nah, uh, man. Welcome, guys, man. You, you, you do, you're doing something right, especially nowadays. Just coronavirus, quarantine, all the craziness that we're living through. Um, yeah. It's easy for us to like look crazy. Because the times are kind of nuts, so I'm glad I'm glad you you figuring it out. So that's dope. Um, so Chanel, man, um, you came highly recommended from one of our former guests, uh, Rich Kosick. So shout out to Rich. No doubt, he thought you would be an awesome person to kind of have on our on our podcast and really talk about your journey through basketball. So, um, and I failed to mention in the introduction, stupid me, you went to All Hollows, right? Um, one thing that I, I mentioned, and I, I find myself saying this over and over again, I did not expect to have so many people out of all hollows on this podcast. Wow. And so, and that's, and that's not a knock on all hollows. That's just my, and probably my brother's ignorance as well yeah. about how many athletes, you know, went far 
coming out of All Hollows. Like I just had no expectation. So and and then you you kind of take for granted how small a school it is, right? Like it's just size wise, like the the gym is is really you know it's a small spot, small, yeah, small. Off right, of, off of Grand Concourse. Like it's not. I just didn't think about it. And again, no shade at the school. Like I'm, the respect is growing every episode. So shout out, right. to, shout out to All Hollows. Uh, but but that leads me to my first question: How how did you end up at All Hollows? Right, you a Harlem dude. Not that that's a stretch for you to commute from Harlem, but like, what were the series of events that led you to actually start up and you know not start up, but like make it to to All Hollows to play ball? Well, like coming up, I'm just go back to like my right at my eighth, my middle school years. Uh, I wanted to go to Manhattan Center, Stuyvesant, Bronx Science. Uh, I think it was Alfred E. Smith. I think it was. Yep. Uh, I wanted to go to public school. Uh, one of the one of the good public schools at that time. Uh, and yeah, of course, you, say, you know, Stuyvesant, yeah, Stuyvesant is a specialized high school. Bronx right. Science is a specialized high school. So I, I always, I think, pride myself academically. Okay. Well, I didn't get into any of them school. So here it is. Uh, I'm like a growing kid. Uh, I want. I just wanted to go somewhere where I can, uh, you know, play basketball for sure. But just school. So my zone school at the time was Brandeis. So I wasn't gonna go to Brandeis. No disrespect to Brandeis, yep. but I just wasn't gonna go there. So a couple of my childhood friends, uh, one of my childhood. Uh, teammates, he was he was at Ohio's or he was going to Ohio's. So my other best friend, who was uh, Adrian Autry, he was also he was an All American. He was at Talentine. Wait, wait, talk, 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 for a second, for a second. You can't you can't just be like, oh, my other best friend, Adrian Autry. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> I, I want to get to how he became your best friend later. But right. let's put a pin in that one because I don't want to yeah. just gloss over, you know, like Adrian Autry is is Manny Digital, just some regular cat. No, that's not how it goes. Adrian Autry was one of the baddest, coldest players I, I, I've ever played with. He, we from the same neighborhood. Okay. Uh, and we just, at the time, we were just, we was playing against each other a lot. And then we just, you know, I think we used to, you know, we used to argue a lot. We used to be rivals when we was like 12. But then we just became like kindred basketball spirits. So. Next thing you know, I was, like, at his house, like, every day, his mother cooking me meals. But he went to Talentine. Uh, he was at Riverside, then he went to Talentine. And there was a couple of other friends that went to Talentine. So they stacked. Yep. Adrian Ochi, Brian Reese, Anthony Cade, Malik Saley. I mean, the wow. whole tour. These are all McDonald's All-Americans. Right. So I knew I could go there and win, but it was just something about – I didn't want to go there uh, and just get distracted and, and just be under the radar with those guys. And I was, a, I was with uh, Red or Adrian all the time. So I wanted to go. So I wanted to do something a little different. So one of my childhood teammates, uh, Lenny Williams, he went through a hollows. So he was like, "Man, why don't you just come with me? You could just play as soon as you get here, and we could play against you know we could play against Red and them, man. You could just we could battle against them." So I thought it was a good idea. I've known I knew him for a while. The coach at the time, John Carey, who's a great, great coach, a New York State uh, Hall of Fame coach. Yep. He was there. He talked to me a little bit, and he told me like what he would do if I went there, and then. So I just I had to make the tough decision. So I, I chose to go to a hollows and uh it was a great decision. It was a, a great decision. At the time, was Ohio's a powerhouse or a force to be reckoned with? Were you was it a top tier school? Was that play into your decision, or was it just more because of your friends, friend, your relationship? Excuse me. It, it was a top tier school. They won a state city and state championship in 85. I got there, I think, 87. Uh okay. so the coach was well established already. Uh, and then the years I was there, we just built, I mean, we built the program up until like, you know, my junior senior year, we was like heavily ranked. We was playing, we was flying over the country, playing, you know, different teams. And we was in the same league with, uh, like Jamal Mashburn, who was at Hayes, Talentine, 
you know, you know the who's who at that time, uh, Kenny Anderson and Malloy. Yep. Uh, you know, Robert Phelps at at, uh, at at Nazareth. We played against all these schools, man. So it was uh, the competition was like fierce every night, uh, and uh, it was it was just a great basketball environment. Mm. You mentioned uh, Mashburn. Uh, I know for a time you consider him like your arch nemesis. Um, and then at some point you were like, nah, I'm bugging. Right. Yeah. Like how, how did, how did it get from, yo, this is, this is my matchup every time we come up at each other to, ah, I think I was wilding. So I don't know what happened. Uh, like, so we was, I think we, at 14, we was the same height. Uh, okay. and then we were, we were, we were actually teammates at the Gauchos before, right before I left. I, we played 15 other Gauchos AAU together. Uh, he was, he had the size you know, he was more like uh, width than me, but we was the same size. He had like a little more body. I was a little taller. And then I don't know what happened. He just, you know, I was a big man. I was a big man's big man. You know, I, I, I could handle a little bit, but, you know, my thing was back to the basket, shoot the turnaround. He started to develop at that size to, 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 to uh, dribble the ball and handle the ball like well and shoot the ball. So this is right before Kentucky, but he became like, impossible so he was my rival as far as yeah com- competitive but i always, me and Max always got along but when we played each other it was it was just wars it right. was just you know because if if you came in there slipping he, he, he was going to destroy you mm. let me let me ask you to segue just a smidgen you were back to the basket guy you must be sick of watching nba basketball then well i'm not sick in a way because i know like the, you know it's a, it was a, it's been an evolution i love the three-point ball i love Big men that could shoot. I mean, I wish that uh, this was going on when I was coming up because I, I think mm. I could have – I developed into a good shooter late in my pro days mm. um, because it just expands your game, you know. But um, back to the basket play, I think it's never going to go away. I know teams are getting away from it. It's going to come back, maybe not to the point where it was, but I think back to the basket play is very important for big men and guards. I mean, because, you know, you heard the expression, you live by the three. Three, die, die by, die the, by three, the three, you know? And I, I coach now, and when it's going in, everything's good. But when they don't go in, I mean, it's a far shot. So it's not always – you're not always going to have the success every every single game. Some teams have more success than others, but I think it's always important to have a back to the back. But I love the game right now. I love the the the, the, the fluidity and the, and the fast pace and everybody can shoot. Um, but uh, I think, you know, some teams – some, some – uh, some teams are, some programs are getting away from it a little bit, but I don't think it's never going. I don't think it's ever going to be lost back to the basket play. That that's great to hear, especially from somebody from the inside. I call you from the inside just because you your career in the game, right? Like listen, you look at it differently. It's a listen, back to the basket. It's a it's just an easier shot when you got your back to the basket. You post up, you get closer to the basket. It's an easier. You talk about you know I'm a physics I'm a physics guy. It's just less distance. To shoot the ball, to get the ball in the basket, where you know three point shots. Even though these guys are just, I, I just don't understand what I'm seeing right now. It's crazy, <laughs> but and it's, 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 it's one more point. But it's it's just a, a easier bucket when you posting up, pop, 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 and you get close to the basket. You throw a little hook shot in. It's just an easier shot. So I don't think it will ever go away because it's just an easier shot. Yeah, you you being mm-hmm. a physics teacher, seeing mm-hmm. things that. You know, not that literally they do, but you could argue defy physics, right? <laughs> you know, the distance, the consistency in which some of these guys hit that three ball. Um, and my brother's question, I think, was an interesting uh, perspective that you shared. But, like, you look at it now, and you're coaching a bunch of kids, right? And 
the adaptability of a coach, I think, is more important now than probably ever. Because before, when you were coming up, players had to adapt to programs and coaches more often than coaches to players and and style of play, right? How do you find yourself faring with all that? Because you're also a head coach at at Millennium. How, how how are you handling that? What's the reaction from your your players? Well, I mean, my philosophy. I want I want to get up and down the court, and mainly for uh, the reason is I want easier buckets. So I want to push the ball to the court, whether I get it down the post or whether I get it out to the three. I just want my players to have an easier time to score the basketball. I'm not saying you're gonna make everything, but I want to I want to push the ball. I, I I love the three point shot. I mean, it's three points. I love the open three point shot. I mean, I'm not talking about coming down with somebody in your face and shooting the ball, but I just, I want to push the ball so I can get uh, the players that that's on my team. I want to get them easy shots. I tell my kids like, look, if you open, you take a good shot, man, keep shooting. Don't get upset. Don't get up. Just take your time. If you go 0 for 10 and you shooting 10 good shots, I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm not going to, what, what, what am I supposed to say? I hope you make it, but I, I, I would like, that's, that's my philosophy. So I know the thing where I'm adjusting uh I think how I evolved from back in the days, I, I'm like, you know, I play with Popovich. I'm about space and pace. I want to push the ball. I want to space it out. I want everybody to get opportunities, multiple players to get opportunities to score the basketball without defense around. Them. So that's my, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but I'm sorry, guys, guys. No, you know, and in the post, look, if you got one-on-one situation in the post, you got a big man or a guard in the post. All right. That's one-on-one. Down in the post, so look, it's less distance. So when you do get to get your shot off, it's less distance rather than having somebody guarding you. You take a thousand dribbles, you shoot from the three point line. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't going to ask this question until later on in, in, in this interview, but you mentioned Greg Popovich, man, and I was Let's like, get into it. Startled, you know I me. Mean? I'm startled, and I'm like, yo, what was it like first to play for him? Tell me about the inside scoop of Popovich that we may not know out here in uh, fairy tale land. Well, I think Popovich has been a a tremendous influence on, on just my basketball outlook. I mean, one year I played with him, he just, I mean, he just basically opened my mind up about everything and just about life period. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I went through, going through that program has basically altered me in my life as far as like, you know, trying the best at whatever you do, just trying to be the best at it. You know, you might not mm-hmm. be the best at it, but you're going to try, you're going to come, you're going to work hard. There's absolutely no excuses. I mean, if you're, if you're hurt or injured, that's a different story, but there's absolutely no excuses why not to work hard. There's absolutely no excuses why not to work on your craft. And think about it, man. I played with David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan Terry Porter, Steve Kerr, like all these great players. Who am I missing? Avery Samari, Johnson. Samari Walker. Uh, Samaki Walker. Derek, like I played with all these great, you know, great players. Danny Ferry was uh, – a good friend. I played with Danny Ferry three out of the uh, four or five years I was in the NBA. Oh, he, yeah, he Cleveland. A, he's a great guy, man. But uh, uh, all these guys I played with were great guys, and, and I and I got the chance to talk to all these guys, like, on a plane. And these guys were so – I mean, if I ask a question about anything, these guys would give me a book for their responses. Wow. I mean, they were they – were, <laughs> talk about just a great group of guys. So that was the culture of San Antonio is having great people around. Good basketball players. Don't get it twisted. Sure. But just great people – who are always willing to help you. So Popovich has been one of my, he doesn't know it, but he's been one of my like great influences on, on the game of basketball, my outlook, and just on life period. I, I think Pop gets, well, maybe this isn't a fair assessment, but I feel like some people might feel like 
he's too much of a hard ass or disciplinarian. Even though I, I think it, there's a lot of adulation for him, right? When you look at how people treat him, the respect they have for him when they're talking about him. I wonder, because sometimes, depending on who it is that's receiving the instruction and the tone of the instruction, it can come off like an attack or it can come off as beneficial critique, right? I, and, I, and I don't know. I'm asking. I'm assuming there's, there's moments like that. I have no idea. That's, that's kind of what I want to clarify with you. How was his approach with you and how did you receive that? So here's the thing. When I first was given a sign, I knew I heard of Popovich. You know, I heard about his military background. I thought he was going to be one of the most hard asses, <laughs> disciplinarians. I, I was kind of worried about it. Like, you know, I mean, you get into the NBA. I mean, you give it a play with the Spurs. You don't want to think about it too much. But I thought it was going to be different. Yep. And what I found out was he was just a no nonsense, but at the same time, so caring. And he treated me and David Robinson the same. He treated wow. me and Tim Duncan the same. David, like he didn't, he didn't pull no punches. If it's something that he had to say, he would say it, and it wouldn't matter who it was. And you had the sense that he treats everybody the right way. And when you see that, then your respect for him grows. Yeah. And um, that was the biggest thing. So, and I try to be that way with with my players. You know, no matter if it's my last kid who's struggling or my best kid on the team. And I try to be the same way in life when I meet people, no matter if you're a janitor. And I, in my bill, I say what's up to the janitors every single, how you doing? What's good? And, you know, if it's, if it's their characteristic that shows me something different, then that's how I treat you. But that's, that's what I got out of pop. It just, he gets his respect because he treats everybody the same. You know he cares. You know he cares. And when you have a coach like that, you know, players are willing to do whatever they got to do to, uh, to, I guess, satisfy you or to stay in your good graces. I don't know. Uh, but uh, and, I, and I didn't get a sense I had to kiss his butt either. You know, that's, right. he, just, he was just, that's the type of guy he was. And I, and, and I try to be that way with my kids or any kid I'm, I'm working with or training, whether it's AAU or I've coached kids in AAU that, was, that had so much talent. But, I, but at the same time, I try to let them know my perspective on why you're confident but humble and work, 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 work until you retire. You, you came in the year after the Spurs won a championship. They won it two, uh, two years after? Yeah, two years. So I have a very important question for you, because right? you came in after, you know what I mean, when the dust settled. Did you ask Tim Duncan if you could hold his championship ring? No. <laughs> Tim Duncan, man, I'm telling you, man, that, that guy is one of the uh, most humble, down-to-earth, nicest people that you could ever meet, man. It, it was just... Wow. I just like, you know, after everything was over, I just think about it. It was just like, I was so blessed to be in that situation because I got to see basketball excellence, but I got to see a lot of humbleness. I got to see a lot of uh, uh, hard work, work ethic. And it was just, I, I, I loved every bit of it. It was, it was one of the best moments of time, especially basketball of, of my life. And I, I'm so fortunate that I, you know, that I got to go through that program. Would you I, say... I, I'm I'm sorry. Would, so the, 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 nah, I guess it's not even a debate. I think this is like a fact at this point. Everybody kind of tends to agree, but I'm, you were on the inside. Just knowing what you knew, and again, we got to keep put this into context. You spent one season with the Spurs. One, yeah. And all of what you're saying happened in this one season. So the impact of Popovich, the Spurs organization, is pretty significant how they carry themselves and operate. So kudos to them because we yeah. see – you know, glimpses of what it looks like from the outside perspective, but you hear all these like stories about what the inside is. And 
I, I, I haven't heard anything different uh, from what? what you shared. But Tim Duncan as, I mean, one of the greatest of all time in his position, would you say that that is a fair assessment? Again, one season, you being around him and probably knowing him beyond, but like, what was your take? I can be biased. For sure. But I'm a basketball aficionado. Yep. Mm. He is the best power forward that ever played the game based on what I've seen, work ethic, actual performance on the court, actual playoff performance, and just overall efficiency, um, wins, championships. You could put all that into to play. I have, I have a question for you, not just for the Spurs, but in your NBA career. I wonder, what does it look like in terms of practices? Are you frozen right now? Is he frozen? No, no I'm he's good. He's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're so still, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening, man. No, you're a good listener. But no, my question is, in your NBA experience, right, what was in, in terms of practices, practices alone, was there like stars being outplayed? And how much does practices weigh into the actual effect of people getting on the court? Like if you were a star player and let's say you came in and you knocked their socks off in practice, were you getting more time or was it just like, ah, it's cool. I look good in practice, but you're going to be a practice guy. Does that make sense? Of course, of course, that makes perfect sense. And of course, because being a coach now, but of course, especially in the NBA, practice is extremely important. And now I know. 82 games in a season. I mean, when it's regular, it's a lot of a, a lot of games, you know. Um, so some practices are, are, are cut short, but practices are very important because it gives the coaches a chance to see your daily improvement. So if you come in, if you're a star and you come to practice and you murdering, or you doing, you know, you doing well in practice all the time, that's going to transfer to the to the court. And that's about. And I hate to bring the Spurs up again, but Tim Duncan was a guy who used to practice hard, like. Hard against me, like trying to bust my bust my ass like every day that we played, and you know, and I had to come and just like, I, I was, damn, I gotta come to practice, lace my shoes up because this guy might try to embarrass me. And, and as a as a just as a basketball player, especially in the NBA, you don't want that to happen. You know, coming from New York, I got you got pride, so you want to try to you know go against him. But practice is very important because it gives the coaches a chance to like see your daily improvement. And if you like a bench player, or if you uh, you know, not I don't want to say a bench player, but if you were reserved in the NBA, you want to come, you want to have good practices, you want to knock down shots, you want to set good picks, you want to throw good passes, you want to know your teammates. And those coaches, they put that in the memory banks, and then in these games, that that causes them to want to you know choose your number. You're not going, you're not going to play in a game if you're practicing like shit every day. You might get cut. The confidence came from the New York City playgrounds, the New York City ba basketball atmosphere, the New York City uh, pickup games when you're playing against three or uh, uh, guys three, four, five years older, or playing against grown men. And the confidence comes from loving basketball so much that I didn't get deterred by people saying I, I was, you know, you know, I was tall, you know, you ain't, you need to do this, and <laughs> it just. You know, you know, sometimes it bothers you a little bit, but it, it just never bothered me to the point where I wasn't going to keep going, you know. Right. And so that's where the confidence comes from as far as, like, why I could make it. And, and by the time, when I, when I got to that point, when I first signed with Cleveland, I was, you know, it was, like I said, my mindset was unwavered about not only that I know I belong here, but I got to try to, you know, you want I, I just wanted to try to do something, you know, special. Right. I have a, one quick question. You were drafted uh, second round to the Portland Trail Blazers, right. right? 
what did you because I know you were a second round, second round contracts are not guaranteed. No. But my question is, did you did you know you would not play in the NBA right away? And what was your psychology like when you had to go play in the CBA for two years? That's an excellent question. Um thank you, bro. So you you have all these different, you know, I, like you, you got these dreams, and, and you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know we're gonna talk about St. Joe, but I got hurt. So it derailed, you know, I, they were saying I was supposed to go middle of the first round. You know, I was one of one of the better players in the Big East, one of the better players in the country, but I got hurt. So I got drafted second round. And I wasn't too depressed, but I was just like, it wasn't what I wanted. And then I go to Portland Trailblazers, get drafted by Portland Trailblazers. They, they already got 15, 14, 15 roster spots already. And I got cut. And I was devastated. I was devastated. And you got to soul search it and, and, and figure out what do you want to do? At that point, like, okay, now, so now I'm not even in the NBA circle no more. I'm cut. I belong to nobody. What are you going to do? So here's this league in the CBA. When I went to the CBA, I ain't going to lie, I was depressed. I forgot the name, the the nickname of the team at the time, uh, Calvary, Oklahoma City Calvary. And uh, I didn't play much either that my my rookie year in the CBA. And they could have easily cut me and and brought somebody else in that was going to be productive. But it was a good team. And... uh, I guess they kept me just to see, you know, if I was going to turn it anything. And then I started to pick it up a little bit as far as my, my work ethic. But I was depressed when I first got there. But they kept me. So the next year, Connecticut Pride. Uh, I signed uh, OKC. They, they folded the team. And then Connecticut Pride signs me. And I had to make a decision. Oh, matter of fact, my end of my year in Oklahoma City, I, I, I got a pen and pad because I thought it was just – I thought the crossroads was there. I was like, I got a pen and pad. And I wrote down. My goals and my goals were not only to make the NBA to be, but, but to be a, uh, a well uh, respected professional basketball player. I didn't know what that mean, but I said I was going to make the NBA and I was going to be respected as a pro basketball player. And I had it and I put it on my refrigerator and I looked at, at it every day. And then I just I just kept working and working and working until before you know it, because I wasn't even paying attention. It's like it wasn't like, oh, man, I got this much time. I didn't care about the time. I was like, I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I'm a work. I believe I'm a work. And before you know it, I was signing on the dotted line with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it was one of the, one of the best feelings of my life. And that was two years, right? It took that you was two years, to yeah. get in. Mike Fatima. Um, mm. you know, uh, Manny, I think we should drop a little, like a little, some, we got to make some noise for that one. No you Listen, that, that bomb is not just for you, my brother. That's for all of us who ever wanted to have a dream to play in the NBA. That's, we all signed that dotted line that day. No doubt. <laughs> so wait, I, I actually have a question about um, the, the writing down of goals. Uh, we had, damn, I, we had a couple of guests that have used that, and it's this is not a secret. People use this, right? This tactic, um, but they've they've utilized it and have reaped so many benefits from it um, because they they force themselves to see what they're trying to achieve all the time. And I feel like we all probably do this where. We say something, but we don't necessarily pursue it because we put it in the back of our mind or we always find an excuse to like not charge after it. You decided that day to write down whatever your achievements were. And you've, I'm assuming many of them you probably accomplished, not just like getting to the pros and being a, a yeah, yeah. respected player. Definitely. Is that something that you continue to use in your life? I mean, that's another excellent question, but right now, I, I mean, after that point, I don't even know if I needed it because even now, like, you know, I remember like talking to uh, Robert Phelps 
back yeah. like o- over a decade ago. And he was telling me, yo, listen, you know, uh, think about what you want to do. You know, you should get your master's. You should work in the education department where you work with kids and you can coach. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. But when I decided to make that my goal, I didn't even need to write it down. So, I mean, you talk about now I have two, I have two master's degrees now. Damn. And, Damn. Kanye's dad. <laughs> and uh, no, and it was, <laughs> I didn't need to write anything down. And and right now, like whatever my goals are, because I do have goals in life. Sure. You know, sure. I don't have to write it down because I know because whatever I go after, I'm going after and I'm not going to get stopped by anything that I'm trying to go after. There's nothing that I don't feel like, you know, I can't fly, but. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But when yeah. it comes to tangible gold, <laughs> I don't let anything stop me. I research. I figure out easier ways to make it happen. But I attack my goals with, like, a, a ferocity at this point because I know the benefits of, of a, you know, striving for what you want. Yeah, you kind of proved it to yourself already. So you're already conditioned to chase after them. Yeah. You, don't, you don't need the piece of paper. Chanel, let me just say this, man. First of all, I had a workout this morning. Little light workout. I'm going right back to work out after this goddamn. This you got me fired up up in here. You hear me? You in the right place in your life being a coach because I'm motivated right now. I, I can tell your players probably going. They run through a wall for you. I'm sure. Oh man, it, you know what, man? It's funny. Like I, I, I give them. You know, that's the only time I, I really. I mean, on shows like this, if people ask me, I love. I love to tell my experiences, but I don't really like talk about it too much about di- different things. But I like to relate my experiences with my kids. And as teenagers, it's like, you know, I think sometimes they might they may take me for granted. I think right now my team, they're a little bit more serious in what I'm talking about because some of them see the improvement in themselves. But it don't always come like that. You know, you know, it's hard with these teenagers, especially in New York and the New York basketball environment now. These kids have a lot going on. And uh, they don't always – I don't feel that they always take my words as parables as far as to basketball because basically what I'm telling them, I'm giving them a blueprint. They have somebody who lived through it, and I'm giving them the blueprint of what you can do to be successful and how can you improve. And it's been times where it was frustrating because uh, kids, I don't know if I'm older, they just overlook or they think they know better. And it's always sad to see when those kids throughout the years that didn't, I don't want to say listen to me like I'm a guru, but didn't yeah. take my advice and to see that their plans didn't turn out the way they thought they it would. putting a shoe on the other foot for a second right you as a teenager coming up trying to find your way basketball being a significant part of your life would you say that you took heed to what others that have show you know paved the way or done things that you probably wanted to aspire to do would you say that you fairly you know treated that information no yeah (laughs) (laughs) And uh, no, but I took a lot of advice, though. I did take a lot of advice. Uh, but the and, and that's another thing I understand, too. The teenage psyche, we all know that. It's like we're young. We got forever. Time is long. Yeah. You know, you know. Uh, so it's been advice that I, I should have took more. And I think it definitely would have changed up my path. So that's why I be so adamant when I be trying to tell kids wherever I come across, whether it's a lecture, whether it's basketball, whether it's training, coaching, that uh Man, like, listen, because I'm, I'm trying to tell you, if I don't listen to what everybody told me, I would have ended up a way much. I mean, it would have been a much better career that, that, that I would have had, you know. Yeah. So I didn't take all I didn't always take the advice. And I know it's a lot dealing with uh, just a teenage psyche. But, uh, you know, I listen a lot. though. I love basketball so much that I, I was I was going to listen more times than not. You know, um, 
it's a, it's a great response. But my question is, why wouldn't you share a little bit more about your experience with your kids, especially your your, your uh, student athletes? Because I've in this experience doing dribble and dives, we've had people with a similar background. You know, the former players or professionals, they get into the coaching ranks, but they're kind of like hesitant about sharing. And I, I, in my, I'm, I'm guesstimating, I'm, I'm just assuming maybe it has to do with maybe not want to come off as braggadocio. I don't know if that's in your particular circumstances or what, why isn't that you're more willing to share that? Because I think if, 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 if my coach was a former NBA player, I'm screaming all the time, I'm, I'm, whatever we got to do, coach, I'm going to do it. So... I mean, I guess it's like the, my up, like my coaches that I've had. Like you know, I, my my high school coach was just a, a no nonsense. He, he he instilled. He started with the humbleness, and I, I just I adapted that. And then of course Louis Conaseca, who I my part of my characteristic, my personality, just being a humble person. Don't think about you know what you've done. Uh, you know you don't have to brag about it. You know, of course you know Popovich. You know Mike Fratello. All these guys, humble guys. So I guess I, I adopted a lot of that. But I do tell my kids. Sometimes, and I, and I hate saying it, but I'm saying, you listen, guys, if y'all not going to listen to me as far as what you need to do, who are you going to listen to? What other coach, and I don't, and I hate to do this, but I say, you know, what other coach that we're playing against, even the good teams, what other coach has an NBA, former NBA, former Big East, former New York City basketball player that's with you guys every day telling you what you need to do? I said, I don't, and I, and I tell them, I don't like talking about it, but like, who else is there? Can you, yeah. can y'all name somebody? And not, and listen, we have some really good coaches in New York City. So I don't never try to be or try to act like I'm a better coach than any other coach. I, I respect, you know, some coaches, I mean, but <laughs> I, I respect every coach that's coaching. And a lot of coaches have a great resume of what they've been doing. But how many coaches do, do, do you guys know who's who's been in the heat, who's done the things that it takes to get to the level that you're trying to get to? So I don't understand how y'all don't listen to me. You know, I don't understand how y'all don't take my advice. But I, I share it with my kids, but probably less talking about it. Like if somebody see me, oh, did you play basketball? I'm like, nah. I really? Say, no. Unless they know who I am, I just, I don't even, you know, I just say no. You know, and some people are so nice, but I just say no. And if somebody say, oh, you said you used to play with St. John's. I say, okay, you know, I, I'll give them a convo. But for most of the time. That's so just, funny. Cause yeah. yo, I, I was that was one of my questions. I'm like, yo, you six ten, abnormal height for you know your regular human being. And that's a, when I see somebody that tall, I usually I don't ask them like, yo, did you play whatever college pro? I don't I don't do that. I usually say, I sure hope you didn't waste all that goddamn height. And and that usually that's exactly what the reaction is. Well, think about it. <laughs> Pre pre COVID, right? It's been times I've been on the elevator, and then I just and it's full of people, and then I you have somebody, Jesus Christ, right, right. and I'm just like embarrassed. I know you play basketball. You don't waste all that hype right. for no reason, and right. it's like, you know, it's, it's it's embarrassing to me sometimes. Uh, and I, you know, I just stay quiet. Um, but uh, I know, man, it's that's real. That's yeah. real. We don't think about it like from your right. perspective, because it's right. got it's got to be fucking draining for somebody to right. always be like, oh, talking about your height all the time. Yeah. Even I've, I've seen guys that were taller than me, and I don't recognize him. So I said he might not have been in the NBA, but I never even thought about, hey, my man, you play basketball. Like right. I've never done that, but I, I guess I I, I feel that I, I've, I've been blessed with my height. To be, to be this tall and it, it you know it, it opened up a lot of doors for me so I, I get it 
But at the same time, it could be really embarrassing sometimes. On that note, let's take a quick pause to celebrate a Dribbling Dimes milestone. It's been nearly two years since the podcast started, and now we're ready to expand the brand with professional-grade writing, a variety of videos, special experiences, and so much more. But here's the deal. You have to get down with the email click to experience it all. So head on over to dribbleindimes.com and sign up. Once on the site, just scroll all the way down to the bottom and drop that email address in the Join the Dribbling Dimes email click box. That's it. From there, you'll receive a confirmation email letting you know you're officially down with the click. Stay tuned to your inbox for way more from Dribbling Dimes. Yeah, I get that. You know, I was going to touch that because, you know, this, this is something, this is a perspective. I've shared this perspective when I was probably in middle school because I was like the tallest guy in my, in my class. Most of the time, but you did it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Just, you say you get tired. It can be embarrassing. Is it? Is this? Is it a new? Because like, I'm sure you experience it daily. You well, you can't go to your car without someone saying something. I'm sure. I was right? a kid. I was a kid taking the train, ducking down because I was just right. trying to like not be as tall as everybody. And I got you know I'm a, I'm a 16 year old, 15 year old, you know heading up to the Bronx, and I got every I walk in the, I walk in the door and everybody's staring at me. Yeah. And I'm just like so. And I, I used to pray that it was a seat so I could sit down. Um, and wow. it was just, it was just, it was just embarrassing because all the eyes are on you. So I've, I've never uh, like some people love the attention. Like you know, I, I I've been to clubs with guys and they act like they're the NBA basketball player. And I I, I never, I never would use that. Like you know, right. I I didn't I didn't care about it too much. Even when I was in the NBA, I hang with my guys and they'll act like they're in the NBA. And I wouldn't say nothing, you know. They'd be like, yo, come on, tell them you're in the NBA. I'm like, wow, for what? Right. We can't get in. We can't get in. <laughs> but uh, I just always, I just grew up that way, man. I, and I, I'm glad to be like, you know, I'm glad to be. I never want to disrespect anybody who just curious. But uh, And usually with kids, I, I'm a little bit more talkative. Like with right. young kids, oh, you're so tall. You know, I, I usually, but like when it gets, when it comes to adults, I, I'm just like, I'm a little bit remiss, man, most of the time. That, that makes a lot of sense. You, uh, we, we, we didn't get too much into All Hollows yet, uh, and, and I do want to spend a little bit of time there because um, it's kind of you know the formative years and how that set the stage for St. John's. Coach Carey, Hall of Famer, like you mentioned, and you you talked a little bit about how impactful his, I guess, guidance was, yes. right? Um, what would you say? Because as as an as a teenager. You're getting hit with, uh, you know, this coach who's set in his ways, I imagine, and has right. his his method to whatever madness might be displayed. How did how did that affect you personally? And then did you how were you able to mature and grow from that? Because I, I know it wasn't always easy, but I'm curious how you used it to benefit yourself. He coach Carey gave me the blueprint, especially as far as basketball, that the team is first. Don't never think that you're better than anybody on the team. Um, he he gave me the blueprint, which stayed with me for the rest of my basketball days until even right now. He gave me the blueprint of hard work. Uh, do, you know, don't take anything for granted, and all those different attributes that he instilled in me in high school through all my years. Because I was a I was I was a I was a nice kid, but I was a knucklehead. I didn't listen sometimes. But all those things he gave me, all those tools that he gave me were the reason why I was able to make it into the NBA and the, the, the reason why I was able to get to college and then become successful. And 
it's it's the, still the same blueprint that gets me going and anything I'm trying to do, you know, after after I've done in basketball. Well, you know, whether I tried to start my own business or whether I got into the education system, how I interact with the kids, how basketball and academically, um, how I how I treat and how I coexist with coworkers, mm-hmm. all these different things that carry instilled in me those four years at uh, Old Hollows. Mm. Yeah, it's safe to say, I think looking back, it feels like you've had a great uh, great tutelage, great mentorship. You know, would you say that you are a byproduct of all the culmination of all those great mentors? You know, just in your life period, as a man today, as we see you now. I'm would a you bi- say that that's safe to say? Yeah, I'm a byproduct as a grown ass man right now. I'm a byproduct of all my coaches and all my mentors. And combine and 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 later in, and later in the years before I was just doing it instinctual, but later in the years, all these different aspects of all my different coaches and mentors, it's a I'm I'm at right now at a culmination of everything. So now it's like I'm seeing everything, mm. and uh, it's a beautiful thing, man. When you think about it, and that's why I say that I, like I'm blessed because I know that everything doesn't happen easy. Uh, anything that's great or anything you really want you have to work for it it takes some work none of these things come easy so going to anything i'm i'm trying to get into it's just i i have such a knowledge of what i'm trying to accomplish basically because all these different people that came through my life spe- specifically a lot of my coaches uh are, are guiding me right now and it's a it's a great thing mm. um you so you would you say cuz like the style of Carey as a coach, Karnaseka as a coach, probably have some similarities, obviously different. The level's different. Things are different. What made you decide, yo, St. John's is the spot? I wonder if coach had something to do with that, the type of coach. But then secondarily, what was like the you know, option 1A that you were seriously considering that ultimately you didn't take? So just, of course, like growing up in New York City, loving basketball, the whole 84-85 St. John's season with all those great players, Walter Berry, Mark Jackson, uh, uh, Chris Mullen, Bill Winnington, all those guys, Mike Moses, uh, all those guys. That was just, that, that time period, it, it, just, it was just captivating to me. So that, they had that on their hands. Mm. Um, <laughs> a funny story. So I was, I was – St. John's definitely is, is close. I knew that I would definitely get an opportunity to play, maybe not right away, but I knew I was going. I saw the, the vision. I saw who was there. I mean, Malik Silly, one of my dearest friends, and David Kane, who was also a great player, one of my closest friends, they was already there. So that had a lot to do with it. My, my uh, daughter's godfather, Alex Evans, he was there as a, a grad assistant. So I had a lot of people there already, but I wanted to like fill out my own way. And I, and I, and I thought that I wanted to get the real college experience. So Tennessee was my, my, my 1A because uh, Allen Houston, he was like a year ahead of me. He was a yeah. great player. I, lo- I loved this game. And I, I was going to be able to go there and play like right away. You know, um, Wade Houston used to come to my school, uh, come to New York to visit me like all the time. Wow. Um, I was heavily considering Tennessee. There were some other schools involved like Syracuse. Adrian Orchard went to Syracuse. Yep. So we went to the visit there, Louisville, Arizona State. It was a couple of other schools. I mean, I mean every school basically, but it was a couple of other schools I was serious about. But Tennessee and St. John. The, the it was a couple of days after St. John they lost in a uh, that when they lost the second round to Duke. It was 1990 or 1989, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was 1989. They lost to Duke, and assistant coach called me up. He said, "Ron Rutledge, I never forget." He said, 
Listen, man, you want to go to Knoxville, Tennessee, and walk around with some tumbleweeds and, and cows, or you want to come and play at the garden? Click. Click. <laughs> oh, no, we got to clap for that one. Yo, that's the sales pitch for your ass. Because <laughs> I think he just had enough of the bull crap, and I felt it in his voice, but I was undecided. And I was leaning towards Tennessee for a second because I, I wanted to go see the football games and, you know, have the great college experience. Uh, you know, out of New York, that was like my selfish choice. Yeah. But I, I knew I had to go to St. John's <laughs> uh, deep down inside. It was the best decision I ever made. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm noticed. People notice me, even though I don't like being noticed. But I'm noticed for like St. John's so much, and it, it, it took. And when I see some people, and just I like to meet the people who were St. John's fans back in that, those days because it's a deep connection with me and those people and it's been a lot of people oh i watch st john's this and that and then they're asking me questions and i and i give them at that point you know i said i don't like talking about stuff like yeah. that but when i meet with people like that with that energy i, I mean i could talk to those guys forever you know but st john's was the one of the best decisions i ever made yo can, can i just ask you like when when rutledge hung up the phone what and you probably weren't looking in the mirror, so it's hard for you to recount like what your reaction was. But like, h- how were you physically, visibly? Like, can you describe what that moment was like? I was like, damn, because <laughs> he basically just made my decision for me. Like, I couldn't even turn from it. It was like the garden. I mean, I, I'm from Harlem. This, this place is like five miles directly south of where I'm at. You know, my my you know all my family and and and, and I thought and you remember those days, early nights, it was rocking and rolling yeah. in, in Madison Square Garden when St. John's played. Yep. So. Later down the line, where I, I forgot who we played, and I think we had a great game. We beat—I forgot who it was. We beat. It might have been Georgetown or Syracuse. But I just remember just before the game was over, just looking at the crowd, you know, and it's just like, okay, this is why you came in, man. This is why you came in, and it was just a great feeling, man. Talk to me. Uh, sticking with St. John's, you walk in there. Um, I believe did you play two years with the late great Malik Sealy? Yes. So I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, Tell me what your experience was with with him specifically, because, uh, you know, cut short as I've cut too short. And, uh, you know, you're one of those few people that had the experience to play with him and get to know him on a personal. I just wonder what if you could remember him a little bit with your words. I mean, it, I mean, it was a magical time, man. I mean, he was like a great mentor to me. I mean, he played with Riverside and I was like two years under him. So we I think we got to play one time with each other before St. John's. But he was just such a a dynamic and and, and, and and smart basketball player. And, you know, he used to teach me a lot about angles and taking your time with the jump shot, shoot the ball. He'll get mad at me if I didn't shoot the ball. Uh, he'd get mad at me if I wasn't aggressive. And, I mean, this is love. It was all love. Yeah. Um, and, and the best part, the best memories I have is just going over to his house, to his apartment, just for no reason at all, just to talk some smack. And we just spent hours together just talking about everything and i remember when uh my um my daughter was was conceived that during that time and i remember i was scared as hell and i just remember him telling me yo man don't be scared about none of this stuff man he didn't he didn't even have a kid at the time he said just do the best you can whatever you do mm. don't worry about this don't worry about that just keep working hard just keep you know keep uh, taking your academic seriously keep taking your basketball seriously he said everything is going to work out and he said you know, this is before she was born. Like I was, it was a couple of scares where I had to go to the hospital. And uh, I was telling him about, the, you know, I had to take the train one time. He said, listen to me, don't ever hesitate to come to me to get my car to go uh, get, see the birth of your daughter. And I mean it. He was serious about wow. that. And those, and those were just 
some of the things, but it was just so many conversations. I mean, I looked up to Malik so much. He was just, he was just a great guy. Um, it's just so many, di- so many different things. I, I was so blessed, man, that, that, you know, to go there and just to be with him those two years because it taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about everything, life, basketball, just everything. So he's, he's a big person in my life. Yo, th- thank you for sharing that because let me tell you, like for me, you know, we only get the outside perspective enjoying him on the, on the, on the basketball court, seeing he dominated the years you played. I believe he uh, was in his 20, 20 point per game score. Yeah, yeah, at I mean, the time. It was dominating, right? It was, and for him to be a star on St. John's, to be that humble, uh, you know, but it's just a beautiful thing, man. I just want to say thank you for sharing that, man. You gave me a lot right there. And it, the, the crazy part, like, sometimes Malik, Malika had these monster games, right? And we'd be in a hotel in a room, and he wouldn't even talk about it. He wouldn't even, wouldn't even, we wouldn't even be watching Sports Center. We wouldn't be watching anything, like, you know? And he, and, and from the outside, it looked like people were just in love with him as, like, a basketball player. And, to, and, and from the inside, I was like, this guy is, like, one of the most humble people in the world. He, mm. he couldn't care less. But he just every day he just worked hard in practice every day. He went Malik didn't miss practices. Mm. Like and, and at those times, Connor Second would go for three to four hours before wow. they start putting time periods in there. And he would just be, you know, it'd be regular for him. Right. <laughs> oh he, my he was God. just he was just conditioned to go do what he had to do. I mean, I remember the first day we we I get to my first freshman year, we get we go to the track and field. So, you know, every school I didn't know nothing about the track and field workout. So we have the track and field workout. So I guess the first thing we had to do is run a mile, right? So I'm running around, and then I start passing everybody, lapping everybody. So we finish, and he's looking at me. He's like, yo, what are you doing? I said, what are you talking about what are you doing? And before before he could even finish, the trainer said, okay, guys, that was a great warm-up. Did you throw up after all of that? Yes, I threw up. And I can remember Malik laughing at me like, you know, like (laughs) – and, I, and that feeling, man, and I couldn't finish though, everything. I think we did like four, four, four. Like, it was just like, it was so many different things. And I, I couldn't get through the whole workout. And I just remember laughing at me in the locker room after that. He said, I tried to tell you, man. And uh, he, he said, so what you going to do about it? So I had to start working out on the off days to catch up. And then that's what I did. And then eventually I caught up after like a month or two where I, none of the workouts like, you know, affected me after that. But he was that, that he was like, he was laughing at me. I never forget his laugh. And I, I was like, man, I ain't gonna, he ain't gonna be laughing at me no more. Right. I ain't gonna be. <laughs> that's beautiful. You, you, you had, you had um, two coaches in St. John's. You had Luke Cornersucker and Brian Mahoney, right? Yes. My question is, what was the differences in the coaching philosophies and styles what was your experience with Lou and then with Brian? Because I know that the record says something very loud and profound, but I want out of your words, my brother. Well, I mean, with Louis Conaseca, of course, Brian Mahoney was with Louis for decades before that anyway. So right. he, he was he was right. To, uh, when he took over, he was right for the job. And I, I, at first, I, could, I, didn't, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. But David Kane, who's, like I said, one of the best point guards, David Kane took it to the point where they, they was not going to let us become, like, a, a team that was going to be laughed at. So right from the beginning, from that summer, when Louis made that decision, you know, Dave had a conversation with me and Lamont Middleton, and he was like, look, this is going to happen. And he told me, like, you, Charnel, you're going to be our leading scorer. You're going to be our rebounder. Lamont, you're going to be our rebounder. You're going to be one of our top scorers. And we're going to work hard every single day, and we're going to do everything we can to make this thing happen. 
So with Dave was like, you know, Dave a year younger than me. I was like, damn, what, you know, what the hell, you know? But I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just went right along to, you know, I followed his lead because you know I, I went to middle school with David King, okay. um, and we were just working hard every, for the whole summer. And then by the time that the season got here, you know, I noticed a difference in myself. I, you, know, you know, and and he was right that year, my junior year, I, I was leading scorer, leading rebounder, all Big East, and a lot of that success. I mean, I put in hard work, but a lot of that 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 that, that influence was, was Dave King. So we were good our first year with Mahoney. I, I think I could have been a better leader. I mean, this was, you know, my senior year. They was talking about, you know, me. I, I don't think I let things go to my head, but I just think that I should have blocked everything out just like I did the year before and concentrated on the team more than worry, uh, like, about myself and where position I'm going and how people perceiving me. Not to say I was a bad guy or anything, but I just think that I could have been a better leader and specifically because I had two great leaders like right before me. Mm. So nobody can't tell you nothing really. But if I look back on it now, that's what I think. But we, we was, I think we were 500. I got hurt the last four, five games of the season. So that contributed a lot to us not finishing. But we, the team finished like one game over 500, I think that year, um, my last year with Mahoney. But I, I don't, I don't put nothing on Mahoney for that. I, I take, I probably take more of the blame than anything for my senior year. So it could have been, if I was had a different approach, we, I could have had four great seasons as, with St. John's, but yeah. it was three out of four. So, Not But bad. Mahoney was Mahoney wasn't a bad coach at all. He was a good coach. Uh, you know, he gave us freedom. Uh, it was nothing that I could put on him as far as, like, why we didn't, why we wasn't successful the first three years, but that's Sh- okay. Shawnell, you... You've you've done a lot professionally. Well, I say professionally, but I bucket you know college into that as well um, from a basketball perspective. I know you mentioned earlier how important you took education, so I want to get into that in a moment. But like, what do you consider to be the kind of undeniable trait that a successful pro has to exhibit and, and kind of live in order to have a solid career? I definitely think focus, perseverance, um, work ethic, because even when you do all those things, it doesn't guarantee nothing. Mm-hmm. But at minimum, you need those things because think about it. Like getting to the pros, it's it's a minimal. I mean, tech, the NBA, forget about it, but just professional, professional basketball period all over the world. It takes perseverance because you have other people from other places who are just as hungry and, 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 and focused as you are. So what gives you the edge? So those things, those three traits you have to, you have to have if you want to be successful. The focus comes from blocking everything out, even in the good times or even in the bad times. Just block everything out. Mm. Um, the perseverance comes from, listen, everything is not going to go your way. And some days... You're going to get your ass bust. But what do you do? What do you do if somebody's getting the better of you? Do you do you just keep letting them get the better of you? Do you give up? Or do you find a way to alleviate that? You know? Um, and work ethic. Work ethic is everything. Work ethic is, you know, work ethic is just getting up even when you don't want to work out. Or, you know, when you're tired or when you're sore. Or, and, just, and just giving it your all to the best you can. And all those different things are... The same way I think right now, and and it, and it gets me through, and and gets me to overcome a lot of things that's difficult. So those are the things, it, to me. 
How, how do you feel about accountability? Because you've mentioned a few things already, like in retrospect, you put it on yourself or you think you could have done X or Y. Um, how, in the moment, right, as a player, do you do you think you were lacking in that department? And then if if yes or no, how substantial do you think that is as, par- as part of like being successful? I mean, I should o- o- also add accountability. And I think maybe during, those, in retrospect, I think um, I could have had a little bit more accountability. That means you just, uh, you're not trying to blame anything, anybody else. And you're trying to figure out what can you do to make whatever situation this is better, not just, push that off to the side and say, you know, this, 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 he's not passing me the ball. He's not doing this. What can you do better? What, you know, saying, what could, you know, how can you go back and look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, be real with yourself. Like, you know what? You could have did this, this, or this, you know? And that, and that's, that's, that's another important aspect of what it takes. Because if you blaming everybody, if you find excuses for everything you're doing or some of the things you're doing, it might not work out well, you know, yeah. it might not work out well for you. Sorry, man. I just want to say, first of all, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for my brother for that question. You know what I mean? I think that for me, that's definitely something I, I'm taking notes, you know what I'm saying? Because I got, you know, we all have goals, like you said. You know, we, we, we don't never stop having goals. And we can, we, I'm not too proud to learn something new, so I want to say thank you, my brother, because you're a walking exhibit of, of success. You, you, you've, been, you've seen the mountaintop, and you continuously push others to do the same. So I want to say thank you for your wisdom. That's my question, awesome, man. I'll say, I'm sorry, can you say it again? I said it's all good, no doubt, man. It's okay, my, okay. My so, real quick, I want to know what would you, what, if you're looking back now, what would you say was your fondest basketball memory? My fondest basketball memory would probably be it, it, it's so many, but just the thing that stick out. I think it was my junior year at St. John's with David Kane as a leader because it was just magical. We, you know, we were we were much better than everybody expected. I think we finished. Sec- yeah, we finished second behind Seton Hall that year with Terry DeHair and uh, Luther Wright and all those guys. Mm. Um, nobody thought of, of anything of us. They had us at the end of the end of the pack, and we and we wound up almost winning the uh, conference uh, championship as far as record. And uh, it was just magical. It was just hard work. All the hard work paid off. We all achieved our goals. Um, it was that was it was just magical. It, and then to play with David Kane, it was just it was just magical too, man. I mean. That guy was a uh, uh, he. He saw visions, to right. say the least. Right. And then I think the, playing with the Spurs too, man. Just playing with the Spurs because it it showed me what what it takes for excellence at the highest level, and how people are interacting with each other, and how the leaders at the top are interacting with people, and how the players are interacting with each other. And and that type of coaching environment, you get to see what's a positive environment. So those things, you know, stick with me when I do anything. And involve anybody in whatever I'm trying to do in life. Yeah, I just wanted to say, man, Sean, man, I hope this ain't the last we speak to you, my brother. Because nah. I mean this with the sincerity of my heart. You inspire me like you don't even know. I don't know if you, you just probably naturally get it. I'm just being, I'm being dead serious too. Like you have a motivation about you. It is no wonder you're a basketball coach and ed- an educator, excuse me, as well. But that's what it's about, man. It, I mean, I didn't realize, but it's, it's about inspiring me. Like I get inspired by, Couple of, like my some of my friends, I got inspired to, to do a podcast because I felt that I was just sitting to the side and not saying enough podcast. I didn't know nothing about the, the the social media aspect, and you have to do this, you have to do that. I just say, you know what? I just want to start it out. I want to get the content 
and I want this is what I want to do. So e- everything inspires me uh, when I meet people. I, I I don't look for it, but I welcome inspiration from anybody I come across because we're not perfect vessels, and you know we want we we're not. Some of us try to be perfect, but we we need inspiration to 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 do the to, to do the good work. So right. that's why it's like I, I appreciate that when you say like I inspire you, but like you guys got a podcast, you guys inspire me. You know, other people inspire me. Like I'm inspired by a lot of different things. You know, I'm I, it's just so many different things, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Like, what is right. it? No. How do people listen to it? Like, t- tell us what the why, why you decided to do it? So the podcast is called the Social Athletic Podcast. I, I, I started about two months ago, but I had an idea of it about three months ago when, you know, like in April, I would say four months ago, when, when everything was happening and then, you know, with the COVID-19, everything shut down. And it was just so much uncertainty. And then when I saw the Ahmaud Aubrey thing, I was, I, was, I was angry, man, to tell you the truth, when I saw the Ahmaud Aubrey situation. And then when I learned of the Breonna Taylor situation, I got even more angry. And of course, you know, while watching George Floyd die like he died that day, it sparked me. It was a spark. Yep. The spark went off. And I was like, I got to do something, man. I got to do something. And, I, and I, I'm not the in front of the camera type of guy, to, you know, but I said, I got to do something. You know, I, I did something in life. I, I got this platform. Maybe this, this start a podcast, man. Start talking about it. So I wanted to try to infuse it. So it's called a social athletic because the social issues are, 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 are utmost important. I end the show with, with uh, with social talking about social issues with different guests or me and my partner uh, Danny Ortiz or the Ortizinator. But I also uh, I'm a basketball guy, so I always want to start the show with with either guests or start to talk about basketball. So the three guests I've had on so far were Jason Caffey from the Chicago Bulls, Rashawn McLeod, who was with me one year at St. John's, played at Duke, uh, two two first round guys, and my last guest was Chris Boussard, who's uh, you know a well known NBA expert, Fox News yeah. commentator, analyst. And uh, it's, it's still going, you know, and I, and I think it's important. I think the, the work is important, just like this is important because you get to post this and you get to show this to people and they could, you know, hopefully just gain some type of inspiration to do something bigger, greater, or, you know, or, or to come out of their shell. And that's what happened to me. I, I just came out of my shell and I just, I just think it's important to, for people to hear and get the content. And this happened to be a perfect time because if it wasn't COVID, I would have never done it. You know, even if maybe George Floyd would have gotten out of sort, because I've seen so many other different things. Right. I don't know because I had the time and, and the energy and the space to think that I would have done it. So that's why that's why I started the Social Athletic Podcast to, to get the good work out there. You know, I love it. And, uh, that's dope. First of all, I commend you on it. You know what I mean? I definitely want to touch base with you about that um, to see, you know, how I can help you and your podcast. But let me just say this, man. I know you had great guests in there. But I'm stopping at Jason Caffey, baby, because I'm a Bulls fan. And okay. That's all you need to say. What, what episode? Saw, yeah, yeah, what episode I, was that one? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, episode yeah. two. He's okay. my first guest. Okay. Episode two. Okay, okay. Yo, I'm definitely going to check out your your, uh, your podcast, man. Because yeah, you can. Like you, I said, yeah, you can see it. You could you could uh, see it on uh, YouTube. I got a YouTube channel, the Social Athletic Podcast. Podcast. You could go to my Instagram, the Social Athletic Podcast Instagram. So you can see it there. I'm. I'm 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 refurbishing the Facebook right. I'm I'm getting into all the social media now because I was never that deep into it. So I got some people helping me. I think I need my most help in that area right there. But okay, yo, so Jason Caffey was great. I, I have I have my final question 
because my wife is looking at me crazy over here. Um, <laughs> when you talk about education, and I, I want to get back to that because, A, you are an educator, but you said something that I think is important for us to touch on because there is, and maybe in some cases this is, you know, fair, dumb jocks, right? That term. And me having gone to college and lived and gone to school with, you know, athletes, I, I got the sense very quickly that these guys, are, by and large, right, the athletes I was around, weren't dumb. They were not focused on education that was given, being given to them through the scholarship or whatever. Now, it seems like you took that seriously and were able to manage going to school, being a student athlete, a prominent one, going pro. Like, how... How did you do it, and what was that motivation for you to focus on that just as much as you did on your athletic stuff? I think I mean I think it started when I was in elementary school. I had a, a class, a, one of my elementary school uh, schoolmates. He was like a jokester of the class, and he, if somebody wouldn't do well, like he was a smart kid too, but so if somebody wouldn't do as well, he would like nudge more him a joke, and I would hate for him to laugh at me. So I developed a, a competitiveness for academics. And I knew, like, you know, and, and I just knew that I always wanted to do well in school, regardless. And sometimes, yeah, I, don't, I wasn't getting, like, straight A's, but I think I was, like, for the most of my uh, academic career, I was probably a B-plus student yep. in my early years. I just, always took it, I just always took it seriously. And even when I went to St. John's, man, like, I never failed the class. I didn't play around, really. I mean, I... I I separated myself, like as far as going to school, Chanel the the, the uh, student and uh, Chanel the athlete, and I just always took it seriously. As I got older, and not to say, listen, every college is not for everybody. Yeah. There's more than different ways to educate yourself and become highly successful, especially so, nowadays. Especially nowadays, there's so many different things. But as far as like me, um, you know, after school I played ball, of course, you know, a professional basketball career, and then I wanted to. Uh, you know, start, you know, do start my own business. So I, I jumped into the business. It had, you know, great concepts. It was about a studio. I knew some, some people. I don't want to get into that now. Well, why? Because I wasn't educated on what I was trying to do. I wasn't, you know, I didn't know the, the nuances and all the little di- things. So it didn't work out. So my next thing was like, you know, working with kids in some capacity. So like I told you before, I was talking to Rob, Robert Phelps, who's another great coach in New York City right now. He was telling me about, you know, working in the education system. But look, you got to get your master's. If you want to get paid the right of money you deserve and this and that. So, yeah, right away I enrolled. It was tough. But going back to what I learned through Coach Carey and all my co- different coaches about the perseverance and the work ethic, I got through it. And then after that, you know, okay, I'm secure. I started, you know, doing some other stuff. My, 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 my income increased um, substantially. And then I said, you know what? This ain't enough because mm. I want to I want to put myself in a position where I will always be uh, wanted is the word, uh, you know, oh, no matter where I went. So I rode back in grad school again to get my second uh, uh, master's. And that was challenging. And no matter how hard it got, I, I, I just I didn't give up. I just stayed with it. So now I'm at the point I probably don't have to go back to school, you know, for anything. I got two master's. And I could probably work in any academic environment that there is in the country, mm. wherever it's at. So I, I probably, you know, as long as I'm working as a, you know, as an educator, 
I can always maneuver, find something better, find something that's more adaptable. And it's just a great feeling. It's just a great tool that I have. Not to say everybody has to do that, right. but education in any form is important. You know, researching things that you want to do. You know, what you know, I'm into real estate right now, so I'm researching. And I, I start off gung-ho, but it's not even about having the money uh, available or whatever it is. Research. Know what you're doing, you know. Uh, or if you don't know what you're doing, ask somebody, right. you know, um, and just things like that. So that's that's my educational outlook as far as, you know, every kid should take it serious, especially when you got the opportunity because you're a good basketball player, you get a scholarship. Take advantage of it, you know, yeah. because at the end of the day, if you know, it's tough out here, man. What what I I think the, the biggest takeaway I just got from you right now was putting yourself in a situation where you can be as marketable as possible, but also create okay. create a bunch of flexibility for yourself, right? Because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So nope. the, the way the way you stack the deck in your favor is in your in your world and how you look at the world worked well for you to get your dual masters and like. Now you're like, all right, I, I have I can move around the chessboard a lot more strategically than be yeah. pigeonholed into one little thing that may not be where you want to be. The the best part about now is just just get, you know, gazing the landscape and just and 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 just I, I'm 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 able if I want to to plan and plot different moves that I can do because of, you know, my education. Mm. You know, and that's a good thing. I I'd rather be in that position than not. And not to say anything is wrong with not being in that position. I don't want right. to fault or shame or to anybody who didn't do all those things because that's just me. That's what I wanted to do. But whatever you do, whatever you want to be successful at, you have to educate yourself in some form, you know? Yep. And that's just my take on it. It's a fact. Chanel, I just want to say, man, like your wisdom, brother, we can, we can mess around win the, win the lotto with all your wisdom. Man. We're going to mess around and be millionaires after this set. I want to say thank you. I also want to ask, I know you mentioned your podcast. I wanted you to plug in if there's ways to people reach you or if there's other, other things you got going on because you got two masters. So I'm sure you got two of everything, two podcasts, two everything. <laughs> well, I ain't surprised. Well, I, I, I like to keep my, my, my life simple, I think. But there's, there's so many, there's different elements out there that I want to tackle. But the Social Athletic Podcast, you could go to uh, YouTube, the Social Athletic Podcast, and you can uh, you could be you could send me a DM on the Social Athletic at Instagram. That would be the best form. We in season uh going on season six. I got three I got three more episodes that I'm gonna do for the first season. I'm gonna lay low right before the, the, the election, and then I'm gonna come back out about two two weeks right before the election. So it's great content. Um, we're just trying to get the content out there. It's not a I don't I don't. Look, I want people to see it. The conversations are, are way more important than anything else. Um, that's I want to I, I want to educate and, and, and inspire as much as I possibly can, so other people could do the same thing. I love when I see like different type of podcasts like yeah. that. Um, I'm going to be starting a nonprofit called the uh, Scott Family 118 Foundation, where mm -hmm. we're going to be everywhere. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm at the the basics of it right now, but we're going to be everywhere. We're going to be in different hoods all around New York City. It's going to be athletic. It's going to be academic. It's going to be food. It's going to be clothing. It's going to be everything. Um, I'm, I'm plotting right now, me and my brother. So watch out for the Scott Family 118 Foundation. That's going to be coming soon. I just want to do the good work. I want to enhance my life. I want to enhance other people's lives that I come across. And that's about it, you know? Yo, Yo, wait, so, I, just want, I, just yeah. want, I just want to make one simple, small comment before we wrap up. 
you on season six. No, no, no. Right? I think you meant oh, episode, episode six. six. Yeah, yeah, episode six. Sorry. Oh, I was about to say, brother, that night. George Floyd, George Floyd <laughs> just happened like last month. I want to finish my first season to feel some type of accomplishment. I, people were <laughs> like, oh, you're doing a great job. I said, no, not yet. Let me just get my last three episodes first. Yep. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> episode six, everybody. Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm okay, on okay. episode six. I feel okay, I feel no I feel you on that. Um, we this is probably gonna be bordering like our 90th episode when this one rolls out. Man, and, see, inspiration, inspiration, right there, man. <laughs> no, but but to your point, like the sense of accomplishment that's big. Like for me, right now, the milestone is get to 100, and that's wow. like a you know, a big milestone. But there's been a lot, you know, there's a lot of learning that happens. And back to the education again, like I'm not a journalist, I, I studied communication, but it wasn't focused on how to interview people and that kind of thing. This just I fell into this with you know, with my brother just because we are fans of the game. And we right. were, as, yeah, and, nah. and and for me, I like to get information as close to the source as possible. And so for me, it was like, why not talk to the people that live these experiences and just let's skip the, you know, the middlemen, right? Let's just get right. it straight from. And you know, ex- people, their interpretation of experiences might not necessarily be how the intended experience occurred, right? Because it's two, it takes two. So it's like you as the per- the recipient. And the other, whether it's your competitor, the player that you're playing against or whatever, they're they're looking at the intention of, I'm trying to kill this dude or I'm scared to death of this dude. But you don't see that you you're like you're receiving like, oh, he's going to come at me. I got to I got to get ready. Right. And so it's always two. So I said that to say, like, we're learning every every single time we have one of these. So, like, you know. What what I would suggest to you, and and by the way, everybody listening, please go check out the social, social, athletic, athletic, yes, social athletic podcast, because um, the diversity of voices I think is really paramount, right? Because I can tell you my story about the same event that we were both at, and it'll be completely different than what you experienced. And that's yeah. funny you said that because even in my coaching, like I I, t- I t- you know I, I go through all these different drills and things and advice with my kids, but. I, my thing is so important when I have other people come to talk to my kids or train them so they could get their perspective as well and maybe link up with the stuff I'm saying to the, what they're saying and, you know, and have a, a, a bigger toolbox. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's important, like giving, getting different voices. Like you guys are like, I, I aspire to be like you guys. I feel, well, I only feel competitive with you guys as far as just putting out good content, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's not about gas or those dribbling dimes right. or better, but it's just about just uh, putting out more content, a different voice. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I love, I love that. That's why when Rich asked me to come on, it was like, it was not even an issue, especially coming from Rich. Yeah. Um, the Godfather. Like, cool. He's like, my, he's like the Godfather for me right now. Like yeah. that dude, that dude's official. <laughs> Rich, yeah. Rich coming to my practices sometimes, coming to my summer workouts. He comes, he talks to my kids sometimes during the season. He comes to my game, sit down, watch. He gives me advice on what I should do. I take all the advice. So it could be some of your, you play in the zone like this. But what, if you ever think about doing this or doing that or your offense, he coming around. No, okay. And I sometimes I'll make I'll make adjustments the next practice yeah. just to see, at least to see how it will work with my players. It may, may or might not work, but I take I take advice from, for far as basketball, I take advice Everybody who seems to be interested. It could be the old coach that used to coach upstairs that want that come and see me. Yo, I think I take advice from everybody. Not to say like I listen, I'm the but I want to hear yeah. stuff from everybody, you know? Yeah. 
Well, now that you say that, I'm definitely going to be attending one of your practices. I got a bone to pick, baby. <laughs> I'm gonna lay. Uh, I'm gonna say everything. Yo, I look. I don't look at myself like I said. I, as a coach, some coaches take it personal. Right. Some coaches take it so personal. I just no. I zero percent do I take it personal in any type of way. Unless it's just somebody who don't know what the hell. Yeah. They're talking about. Yeah. 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 Right. Let, you know what? I just want to share this quick. Stuff. Damn, he's so. Okay. Can you, he's can you hear me? Yeah, he's back. Yeah. So now I just want to share this real quick story. Right. I was in L.A. I had an experience with a. I'm not going to name names, but is a professional NBA coach, right? He was an assistant for the majority of his career, but he's 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 an NBA. Anyway, I'm with, I'm with him. I'm in a space where I'm with him. I made a comment about him and his strategy of how he played the night before, two nights before. Everybody laughed at me, but he still ain't answering my question. <laughs> so, so I'm like, yo, what? Because I'm not an NBA, you can't answer my yeah. question? You too good to answer my question? It's it's not like I was talking soccer and he was playing basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, either my, you know or you don't know what you're talking about. That's my how I assist, Yeah, my assistant coach, my assistant coach, like, he came in there. I'm doing, my assistant coach runs the training sessions. Like, when we start, like, I, I just I just let him go. Like, sometimes, like, we be in the game, he's like, yo, man, take him out. Go ahead. Get take out. Him out. <laughs> I don't, like, you know what I'm saying? There's no, yeah, I'm a head coach or whatever. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. But there's, like, I let my assistant coach, like, Run, run, run the show. Most like, pretty much all the time with training and practices. He knows my philosophies and stuff like that. So, if he wants to do it, he put in the time with me. Why should I? Like, who? Am, like, yo, no, don't do that because I'm the head coach. Get, the, get out of here. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's the way I am. I mean, not to say that's right for everybody, but I don't. It's not a control issue for me to to like. You want to be the best at whatever you do, of course, but. It's not a it's not a me control issue right. when I'm doing stuff like that. Yep. It, it, you must be doing something right because you was coached by the best, brother. So I know you, I know your philosophy is def, definitely spot on for something. I'm just sure. I'm passing it on, man. I'm passing anybody who come across me as far as basketball, the good stuff. Yeah. So take it or leave it. Yo, Shawnell, man, thank thank you for your time, for your wisdom, for your experiences, man. Um, like I said. Yo, we, we just had Benjamin Button on the podcast. Word, y'all. man. That man go, I think he got younger about a second, man. This whole show, he got a little younger. Yo, so t- two two things I got to do now that we're going to wrap. So one, I got to go find that lotion. So you're going to have to DM me that lotion. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to have to go do some push-ups or something because I, I got to catch up. No, but yeah. not, that I, not that I think. it's not. A, I don't think I look like anything else, but I, I, it's, his, it's his lotion called Hemp's. Hips. Oh, oh yeah, I know it. Yeah. Get it from um, uh, I think it was TJ Maxx. They yep. I mean, TJ Maxx. Yep. I mean, perfect. No, I like no, 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 no. We we gonna get hips, but you get it from your mama. That's what you get it from. Yeah, that's probably what it is. <laughs> Them <laughs> jeans, boy. <laughs> All right, Sean, no, no, man. Sean, no, thank you, brother. I appreciate your time. Take thank care, you, man. Brother. Pleasure. It's been a pleasure, pleasure. man. Pleasure. Right. Be good. All right, brother. I'm gonna hit you up on your part on your Instagram. No doubt, no doubt. Yo, All reach right, out bro. to me anytime, man. Reach out we'll to do. me for sure. All right, sure. All right. All right bro. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dives. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E.
E-S. <laughs> <laughs>